speak to us. Speak to us. Thank you for this courageous vision of, uh, of seeing you do victorious things through all of our lives. Help us today identify what kind of routines, what kind of habits you want to see replaced in our life so we can become who you envisioned us to become. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So glad to see you. So many folks coming to the 9 o'clock service. It's awesome. Look around. Look at that. Look at that. Just thrilled. Hey, if you weren't here last week, I presented kind of a personal crisis I've been having for a while. It happens at Rayleigh's every time I go there. I show up and they ask me, do I have a a bag? How many of you thought about that all week, the bag thing? How many of you had a victory this week with your bag? Anybody? Yeah, you brought your bag in for, for the... It was awesome, wasn't it? Was your experience like this? So I, I, how many of you went out to your car, though? You had to go out to your car to get your bag because you forgot it. Okay, just me. I went out to the car, got my... I grabbed a bunch of bags in my car. It was awesome. The funny thing is you stand in line with your grocer and you kind of don't know what to say. Like, when's the last time you walk in with bags? You just stand there? Like, I'm like, what... What do I, I said, what, what do I do with the bags? They're like, uh, just put them down. I'm like, uh, uh, okay. That, those are hair. And then they bagged them, and then I got to walk away with full bags. Those are hefty bags. I can't wait to go back again. I'm, I'm coming in with a little swag. <laughs> this is the bag. I don't know what we paid for this bag, but it's probably too much. But, man, I can't wait to go with my cloth bag. Yeah, power bag. Here's the deal. It's a new habit required this new habit. That's the series we're in. This new habit required a cue. And that cue for me uh, was, was this, this negative experience of having to, having to be asked the question, do you have a bag? And having to answer, no, I don't have a bag. That was my cue. I didn't want to have it. So I, I replaced a routine. I replaced a routine. I went out to my car. I got the bags. I came in all like excited I, I, I'm saving the planet all in a moment. I'm, I'm saving 40 cents. Can I have a moment of silence? And then got to walk out all proud with my bags. And now I'm going back with some bad bags in the future. That's how you change a habit. You got to have a cue, something that gets your attention. It can be positive or negative. Then you change the routine and then you get the reward. In fact, what you're going to walk away with today is this idea. If you want to change a habit, you want to change a, a lifestyle, here's what you do. You keep the same cue, and you keep the same reward. You just change the routine. It's all about the routine. That's what I hope you're going to see today. Uh, for a list of any resources for this message that I prepared this week with the Bayside staff, email me, I'll give them to you. Check this out. How thoughtful. Would you like a chocolate? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry, Sheldon, I almost sat in your spot. Did you? I didn't notice. Have a chocolate. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're here a lot now. Oh, am I talking too much? I'm oh, sorry. Zip. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Chocolate? Yes, please. Yeah, I, 
You know what? Hold on. Let me take this in the hall. <laughs> Reward? Reward? You'll never guess who they got to replace you with one. Okay. I know what you're doing. Really? Yes. You're using chocolates as positive reinforcement for what you consider correct behavior. <laughs> Very good. Chocolate? No. Sheldon, you can't train my girlfriend like a lab rat. Actually, it turns out I can. Well, you shouldn't. There's just no pleasing you, is there, Leonard? You weren't happy with my previous approach to dealing with her, so I decided to employ operant conditioning techniques, building on the works of Thorndike and B.F. Skinner. Yet by this time next week, I believe I can have her jumping out of a pool, balancing a beach ball on her nose. No. This has to stop now. I'm not suggesting we really make her jump out of a pool. I thought the bazinga was implied. We're just tweaking her personality. You're sanding off the rough edges, if you will. No, you're not sanding Penny. Are you saying that I am forbidden from applying a harmless, scientifically valid protocol that will make our lives better? Yes. You're forbidden. Bad Leonard. <laughs> All right, we, we, we all have, we respond to things. Chocolate, hey, how many of you ever caught yourself responding to your voice notification, your smartphone notification? Someone's is going off right now. Were you, I mean, notifications are going off and you can't help, could one of you guys turn that off? You can't help but look at it. It's, it's constant. When it goes off, you're like, oh my gosh. And there's a variety of reasons we do that, but we get a, the cue is the notification, right? Yep. And then, and and the reason we respond to that cue is because we have a craving for distraction. That's our craving. It's like uh, something else to do, something else to focus on. And we have a routine that when that notification goes off, we get what? Kind of jumpy, right? Kind of nervous, kind of anxious. Oh my, I've got a peek at that. What's happening? Maybe I'm getting a text to. Be someplace else. I have FOMO, fear of missing out on something else. And then the reward. Ah, I got to step out of the office meeting with my boss. What a gift. Uh, that's the, the way we're all trained. We respond to notifications like this. In his book, The Power of Habit, a New York uh, bestseller by Charles Duhigg, he identifies uh, the neurology of habits. Here's a quick little summary of the neurology of our habits. The first is we're all hardwired for habits. Habits are the brain's way of helping you be more efficient. When you learn something new, we use the frontal cortex of our brains. As we master the behavior, the steps or routine move to what's called the basal ganglia. Say that with me. Basal ganglia, and it's crazy. Folks that even have had traumatic brain injury still have habits that they can do because of the memory that's lodged in the basal ganglia. Once it's established there, it's dialed in. It's a routine. Every habit has three things, according to Duhigg. 
Every habit has a cue, a routine, and a reward. And what you're going to hear me say all morning is the key to changing a habit is keep the same cue, keep the same reward, change the routine. Companies do this. Uh, in his book, he features Howard Schultz, Starbucks. He features the CEO of Alcoa uh, in the 90s who he had, when he met with all of his shareholders, he said, I've got one habit I want to work on. I want us to work on uh, safety. <laughs> and half the shareholders left and the stock went through the roof because safety was that one keystone habit that affected everything else. We'll talk a little bit about keystone habits. Maybe you'll make one today. Uh, what we learn is that we're all addicts and when a re- turn to your neighbor and say, you're an addict. Yeah. And tell them, I know. Okay. When a reward is unrestricted, it becomes a craving and an unchecked craving becomes an addiction. It's interesting. Jesus brother captured really the negative piece of this in his letter to the churches. Jesus brother, James said this, he said, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire, that's their cue, and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. That becomes a routine, just a regular routine. When it is full grown, it gives birth to death. That becomes the reward, all right? So we want to we get out of habits. Some can be so destructive to us. In fact, let me just pause here. What can happen in the Christian life is we can have justification by the once-for-all substitutionary death of Christ, but we can be missing out on transformation, sanctification that is accomplished by the same grace. The same, the same grace by faith that justifies us is the same grace by faith that sanctifies and transforms and changes us and gives us incredible victories in areas of our life that we would think are kind of off the radar as far as our relationship with God. Talking about opportunity to get better as a student, to be better as a friend, to be better as an employee, to be better as a, as a problem solver, to be a better listener. What was that? A better listener. I mean, there's opportunity to really transform. I just am super positive about individuals' ability to change by grace through faith. Big time. <clears throat> Habits, finally, are very hard to break, but any habit can be replaced. Now, what we know from lab studies is that it's never too late to break a habit. Habits are malleable through our entire life, but we also know that the best way to change a habit is to understand its structure. That once you tell people about the cue and the reward, and you force them to recognize what those factors are in a behavior, it becomes much, much easier to change. Now, let's look at what can be a destructive habit and look at how, this, look at how it, AA deals with this. Okay, so again, the challenge is keep the cue, provide the same reward, insert a new routine. This is uh, someone has, like all of us, a craving for relief or rest or, gosh, a pause, a timeout, a chance to chill, uh, to relax. We have that cue. It's a craving for relief. And sometimes we can go to, in this case, alcohol, uh, perhaps uh, disproportionately, and to get that relief, and then we get to relax. Well, the problem is that becomes the primary resource for relaxing, and we get ourselves in trouble. Uh, And it it becomes our primary craving for relief. And so in AA, this is what they do. 
And A.A., by the way, A.A., the guy who wrote that material, very interesting. Christian man, do you know why there are 12 steps to A.A.? Because there are 12 apostles. He had that kind of innocence when he wrote the material. But for AA, the cue is, yeah, I want a craving for relief. And instead of alcohol, they to drink with other alcoholics, they say, no, go out and socialize. What you're really looking for is something social. The relief you're looking for actually is connection. It's not the, just, it's, the relief from alcohol is kind of synthetic. It's, not, it's artificial. What you really want is something deeper. It's relational. And it's not just alcohol. It's, there's a lot of other stuff where we want relief, maybe from the stress of work. <laughs> the smartest thing sometimes we can do is go out and be with friends. And isn't it interesting? It might be the smartest thing to do, but it's one of the hardest things to do, right? Because you feel like you've got to give of yourself more, right? But it gives you what you need, the relief that you need. Or uh, if, you, if you need relief from maybe your... Uh, maybe a family member or friend. <laughs> and what do you do? I, I want relief from this. What do I do? Well, you probably should go spend some time with him or her. Sorry. Or you should probably go spend some time with someone that pours India, gives you strength. Okay? So what we're doing is we're keeping the same cues, the same rewards. We, there's nothing wrong with the craving for relief, but we're going to look at replacing the routine with a different pattern, a different habit. That's where we're headed. Does that make sense? Okay. What does it take to break bad habits from the scriptures? We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, as I mentioned at the beginning of services. And what I want you to see here is that uh, the first thing we need when it comes to breaking a habit is hope. Kind of like what Lauren referred to earlier in services. I love that verse. It's an incredible verse. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I looked up the second part of it. A longing fulfilled is like a tree of life. Ooh, I love that verse. How often is a tree of life mentioned in all of Scripture? Maybe five times. <laughs> Hope deferred makes the heart sick. A longing fulfilled is like, the, like a tree of life. Where in your life do you need a tree of life? The first thing you need to move forward and experience... Habit change is hope. And here's the question I just want to ask you. Do I believe God cares for me? In Romans chapter 12, Paul begins in chapter 12 after having laid the groundwork that we are, we've been completely justified, completely forgiven while we were sinners. Christ died for us. It's as if we've, we've never sinned. We're God's children now. Uh, We don't follow favor. Favor follows us. And then he says, given God's mercy. He says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. God has shown you tremendous mercy. There's tremendous hope. Max Lucado says it this way. He says, grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to pull it off. Grace doesn't just justify us. Grace transforms us. You're in the process of becoming whom God intended you to be, and that happens by grace. It's, remember how Paul ended 2 Timothy that we studied through in February last year? Last, few, last words of Paul from a prison cell. Last words he'll ever write, grace be unto you. You're, you're in the process of changing. There's hope, big time hope. He, he believes in you maybe more than you do yourself. Isn't that great news? Hope. I, I got I to gotta tell you, I, the hope piece is big. Um, 
I know personally that uh, I needed when I was, I had an eating habit uh, back in, in my high and I went to Weight Watchers. I've told you guys this before. I went to Weight Watchers. I'll never forget it on Northgate. It was one of the humblingest things I ever did. Walked in there. I was the only guy there. You got to introduce yourself. That was real exciting. And I uh, got to just kind of admit I got an eating problem. When I get stressed out, I eat. It seems like the only thing a pastor can do. So I just did it. And I got up to like 245 pounds and went to the doctor and he used the O word with me. He said, you're obese. I'm like, dude, are you, what are you are you, what are you talking about? And it just humbled my heart. I mean, it just humbled me. Ugh. And so I did Weight Watchers for a long time. And then, and then I, I, I had to be honest, that, honest with my feelings when I'm stressed, when I'm angry. When I'm, here's a, here's a, a, an acronym that we learned from Bishop Sherwood Carthen years ago, but it actually comes from MAA. When I'm experiencing halt, when I'm hurt, when I'm angry, when I'm lonely, or when I'm tired, halt. I get vulnerable to my willpower, right? And uh, I've got to be willing to take an assessment. What's going on in my head that makes me do this, chocolate? Uh, what makes me do this? And so you got you got to have a good assessment. Now, in Romans chapter 12... Um, Paul continues in saying, you've got to have an assessment. Am I honest with myself about my negative habits? In chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says also in verse 3 about the importance of having a sober mind. Have you ever thought of this? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Have a sober mind about who you are. And I just, I asked this question, how do I do that? How do I have a sober mind about who I am? Hey, surround yourself with people that are willing to tell you what the back of your head looks like. You can't see the back of your head. You can try. But you need people in your life that will tell you that's what the back of your head looks like. And none of us like feedback. None of us want, I mean, it's not like you're, oh, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. It's not always that exciting. But you get a chance to hear from Jesus. <laughs> you get a chance to have an honest to goodness, sober judgment about yourself. Have friends in your life that will love you enough to say, hey, I've, they'll, they'll, we talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. They won't come judgmentally. They'll come as a friend. They start with themselves. Remember, they don't have a plank in the ride. They start with themselves. And then they ask questions. They say, hey, help me understand this. I'm seeing some, a little different behavior here. You seem kind of, help me understand this. What's going on? That kind of humility, that kind of approach, it really, it really opens people's hearts. That's how you get to a place where you're willing to be honest with yourself. Let people around you have that permission in your life. When a habit emerges, the brain stops fully participating in decision-making. It stops working so hard or diverts focus to other tasks. So unless you deliberately fight a habit, unless you find new routines, the pattern will unfold automatically. <clears throat> you know, it may be what they say of Celebrate Recovery is that the longest walk for anyone is from the parking lot into a celebrate recovery group 
And uh, I like this. Got a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up? Consider going to a Celebrate Recovery experience. Uh, I know that real-life church right here down the street, a quarter mile on the right, they have a Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights. Um, I know Bayside has had real success with their Celebrate Recovery ministry. In fact, their director just got statewide recognition out of Saddleback uh, for their program. You know, I just made a note here. I wonder if there's someone here that just needs to talk about whether or not this is something they should consider. You know, like you're, the idea of going sounds terrible and you regret coming to services today. But, but the truth is you're like, maybe this is something I need. And I want to invite you when service is over, go to the prayer room and just meet with one of the prayer partners and say, hey, what do you think? Would you pray with me about this? I'm considering maybe, maybe make, I've made an assessment about my life. I need to consider getting into a group that's going to help me. Would you just listen? Maybe pray for me that I'll have the courage to go. I invite you to go back there after services if that's a next step for you today. Sometimes the longest walk is from the parking lot into a Celebrate Recovery group. You've got to be willing to assess yourself. You've got to be honest to God about where you're at. Um, and there's tremendous hope. There's this one story in Charles Duhigg's book that this gal was traveling to Egypt, and she was a chronic smoker and uh, overeater, very unhealthy. She was in a taxi driving... Uh, being driven in Cairo, and she had this vision, I really want to go to the, per- the pyramids, but I don't even have the health to do that. And simultaneously, she didn't, she didn't have a smoke with her. She wanted to smoke terribly. She was getting all nervous about it, and uh, she finally said, you know what, I not only want to go to the pyramids someday, I want to start running. I want to become a runner. And so what she did is she, she started running like lots of running, And she was able to replace that need for stimulation with a cigarette or overeating with running. She never ran again. Excuse me, she never smoked or ate again. That's all she did was run. She never ran again. The smoking ate was way too fun. (laughs) All right? No. It's just a great story about a gal's life who just totally transformed because she didn't, her cue didn't change, her reward didn't change. Her routine did. It's the routine. Same craving, too. But she got it a different way. By the way, I think there's some brilliant stuff in, in, in this book that is right in the scriptures. Number three, built up willpower. That's the third thing you're going to need. How strong is my self-control muscle? And this is what Paul is speaking to here in Romans chapter 12. He says in 2C, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. Oh, when the Holy Spirit's living in you, you've been given a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline, so you're able to make, God's grace is able to help you make those incredibly important decisions about willpower. Willpower isn't just a skill, it's a muscle. Like the muscles in your arms or legs, and it gets tired as it works harder. So there's less power left over for other things. Oh my word, this encouraged me so much. It is so true. You ever try to work out after a really hard day at work where you've been focusing really hard, and then you try to work out and you're like, 
I ain't doing it. There's nothing here. I ain't got nothing. Yeah, there's nothing here, right? It's because your willpower, according to Duhigg, has a ceiling. You have a ceiling, a threshold um, of willpower. And one of the questions I asked is, how do you develop more willpower? Ready? How do you develop more willpower? You got to hear this. How do you develop more willpower? Practice doing things you don't want to do. As you develop the skill to do that which you don't want to do, what did Jesus say? If anyone wishes to come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. Does that sound exciting? Absolutely not. If you follow him in doing what the Spirit is asking you to do, but you don't want to do, you'll start to want to do what you don't want to do. Kind of like there's a, one study where this guy, every time, he, every, every time he went to bed, he ate a whole bag of Ruffles potato chips, and they just replaced them with salad. And at first, he wasn't really interested. But after a while, when he got real hungry, he started doing what he didn't want to do, and he lost a ton of weight. You do what you don't want to do, you develop willpower. How many, does that connect with you? That's how you get willpower. That's how you raise the ceiling of willpower in your life. All right, let's laugh a little more. That behavior out of her in a week. <laughs> no. If you let me use negative reinforcement, I can get done before we go to bed. You're not squirting her in the face with water. No, of course not. We're talking very mild electric shocks. No tissue damage whatsoever. Forget it. Oh, come on. You can't tell me that you're not intrigued about the possibility of building a better girlfriend. I'm not. Penny's qualities, both good and bad, are what make her who she is. You mean like that high-pitched, irritating laugh? Yes. You wouldn't prefer a throaty chuckle? You're not changing how Penny laughs. No, that would be incongruous. I was going to lower the whole voice to a more pleasing register. Sorry, guys. That girl is freaky. (laughs) Come again? Freaky. Freaky? Yeah, freaky. Have a chocolate. Thank you. Well, I'm going to make some warm milk and then turn in. I trust if you two are planning on engaging in amorous activities, you'll keep the decibel level to a minimum. Of course. Thank you. All right. Thanks, AV team. Unbelievable. It's amazing how how we've talked about birds can capture our attention. We've talked about a built-up willpower. We've talked about making a good assessment. We've talked about having hope. Now we want to talk about something that is clearly in the Scriptures, interdependence. Am I accepted and accountable in God-honoring relationships? Boy, this is, this is so critical. Look in verse 6 what Paul says about our relationships with each other. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each of us belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. We are not our own. We belong to one another. There's something really powerful 
about groups and shared experiences. People might be skeptical about their ability to change if they're by themselves, but a group will convince them to spend to suspend disbelief. A community creates belief. You surround yourself with a community of courage, it's going to create belief. Last week, last Wednesday night, I was scheduled to run with uh, uh, some with a running team, and we were scheduled to run in Fair Oaks. And I knew what the workout was going to be, and I thought, it is so stupid and time-wasting for me to drive all the way to Fair Oaks at 4.30 to get there on time just to work out with some friends. Ugh. It, the, whole, the whole time took four and a half hours. Hour and ten minutes to get there from Indercom, where I could have run, to uh, Sunrise Boulevard. Hour and 15 minutes, and then probably 35 minutes on the way home. Couple hour workout, I would have done it again. Why? I got to be with people. <laughs> There's something about being with people that is so inspiring. Don't miss out when you get an opportunity to be with people that, that really help you have more and more hope. We believe at Adventure that the way you're going to become whom God intended you to be is by being in relationship with people. And so next week is our first Sunday to sign up for small groups this fall. We want, to, we want everyone in a small group. And uh, we have groups for marrieds, groups for men, groups for women. If you're not going to be here next week, I want to encourage you to sign up on your way out on the registration table. We want to be a church not just that does small groups, but a church that is about small groups. Let me ask you, what would hold you back from this? What, what would keep you from saying yes to a small group? Maybe a weird, a weird teacher? Well, none of, none of our groups are really teachers. They're facilitators. Maybe you don't have the time? You, you, look, ask the person that is closest to you if you have the time. Boy, get into a group. It's what Jesus facilitated Get into a group and grow with some other folks. Now, I got to tell you, so community group signups are next week. I got to tell you that, that I'm so excited about what Annie Kay and her team is doing in the children's ministry. Our vision is that every child that comes to services on the weekend and they're growing in number are all in a group. Everyone's in a group. And yet, our, our numbers are growing faster than our groups can keep up with. So some kids, as we grow, will not have groups. We need five new group leaders that'll give two or three Sundays a month. Is that you? Would you pray about it? Would you pray about the possibility of loving a couple kids during the week? It'll be the best thing for you. You won't have time to think about your stressful Monday. These kids will stress you out enough. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think they will. If, if that's something you're, you would consider prayerfully, use your Connect card today when you let us know what... what uh, how we can pray for you or what's going on in your family life. Let us know if you're interested in leading a small group for children. So proud of what they're doing. Finally, the way we change a habit is by really getting some true purpose. What will replace my bad habit? Look at how Paul goes right into spiritual gifts. He says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generosity. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it 
cheerfully. You know what I think sometimes? Sometimes I think to be the best we can at what God has made us born to be, it requires replacing our current habits with a whole new set, a whole new routine. And these are some areas in your life where God has uniquely gifted you. I was so excited yesterday to hear that adventurers and a lot of other partners work together at the Rioblo School District. I think this is at the elementary campus to serve 200 families here in Sacramento. And uh, this is one of the backpacks that a mom is getting for her kid. Huge win for us. We had 30 adventurers that were over there serving. We served 200 families. Big win for us. To change a habit, you must keep the old cue and deliver the old reward, but insert a new routine. How do you reverse any habit? Here it is. You identify the cue, the stress, the conflict, the fatigue, the time of day, the hunger. By the way, it's kind of valuable. This is my journal to actually, I got this from the book, to actually write on little pieces of paper um, how you respond to certain situations. Um, what's this one? Uh, what is the first thing I did this morning? Um, I did the laundry. Melissa. Uh, I got myself some coffee and I got on my knees and prayed. Just little cues that let you know what, like, what's the first thing you did this morning? First thing. How many of the first thing you did was grab your phone? Let's be honest. Just two of us. Wow. Ooh, some of you look kind of stressed when I ask that question. (laughs) You take notes, and and this is what is proven. Planning and taking notes can really help you change habits. Identify the reward, joy, peace, and social fulfillment, and then finally, insert a new routine. This is what businesses do. They insert new routines. This is how Tony Dungy uh, and the Indianapolis Colts won, won won a championship. They, they had the same cue, same reward. They just changed the routines. Every player had a very specific, specific routine, and that's how they advanced, and he turned the Colts around. Now, it's interesting. There are some keystone habits, and these keystone habits I found very interesting. They actually have the ability to have a domino effect, a cascading effect on all other habits. Here, here's what a few of them are. Family dinner. Interestingly, the only common denominator of national high school honor society students is they had regular family dinner with, with their mom and dad. Okay? Making your bed the first thing in the morning has a cascading effect on your day. Uh, tracking what you eat. There's a fun one. Yeah, you weigh your food. It's fun. Uh, get your heart rate up for 20 minutes. Daily, monthly, or yearly planning fascinating. Howard Schultz was asked, what was the key to your success? This is the founder of, uh, of uh, Starbucks Coffee. He said, when I was a kid in the Bronx, my mom used to always ask me, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? You going to get your homework done? How are you going to do it? What are you going to do? She always asked me how I was going to do it. And so I was constantly making plans. Plan, 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 plan. I planned everything. It's worked for him. Uh, having a consistent bedtime. By the way, our pediatrician told told my family years ago that your kids should not ideally not be on TV or Wi-Fi after, like two hours before they go to bed if you want them to sleep better. I'm sure it's different for adults, right? Okay. Next, five minutes of prayer every day. We challenge adventurers, give Jesus the first 15 of every day. These have cascading effects on your, 
life. Going to church every week like Jesus did. There's something. If the Son of God made a habit to be in to honor God on the Sabbath, we should. Attending a small group, get into a group. That's where you really do life. That's where you become who God intended you to be. And then finally, eat sushi. Here we go. Here's where we've been. What does it take to break bad habits? Here we go. Hope. Hope first. You have hope. You have hope. I think there's tremendous hope. Hope is the beginning of everything. It's the beginning of everything. You know what? One of the persons in my life that has the most hope is my wife. I hear her often say, I have a dream to change the culture of Natomas and the Indricum campus. She's been saying that for years. And I'm always like, wow. But guess what? It keeps her going. Number two, assessment. Am I being honest with myself about my negative habits? Do I've got people in my life who will say, hey. Number three, how's my willpower? How strong is my self-control muscle? Am I willing to do what, I'm, what I, the Holy Spirit's asking me to do when I don't want to do it? <clears throat> right? That's the, that's the God's grace working in your life. Number four, what kind of people, relationships am I in? Am I accepted and accountable in God-honoring relationships? Do I give anyone freedom, permission to lovingly speak into my life? regularly, once a week. That'll move the needle in your life. And finally, what true purpose, what will replace my bad habit? I'm going to ask Zach. Zach, why don't you come up for uh, our communion time? And uh, as he does, let me just lead in an opening prayer. We'll leave this slide up for our time to just kind of think about how the Holy Spirit's leading you here. Heavenly Father, we just ask that your spirit would, would really open our hearts to see what kind of routine, what kind of pattern we can replace by your grace alone. The same grace that justifies us, we want to make us transform into like Jesus. Please be with us this morning. Amen. Zach.